Hello, Katie. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Brett. It's good to be here. Good to see you and chat with you again. I know. I wish I wouldn't have ruined the surprise before we chatted, but do you realize how long ago you were on episode number four? And I think this is going to be episode 157 or 158 by the time it airs. That is incredible. Congratulations. And it's an honor that I got to be episode four so early in. And I'm thrilled to be back and talk to you about what's different, new, and all that kind of stuff. Exciting. What's working for you? What's not? Because yeah, I went back and and listened because my memory's not that good. And I think we (laughs) spent a lot of the time of why learning and development, which is what your company does, is so important for for growth companies. But now that we've kind of pivoted and focused more on the, the freelance entrepreneur, right? The folks that are trying to create micro businesses or how do I create a business out of a, where I was trading time for money or money for time, et cetera, et cetera. And see. So I thought you're the perfect example or a great example of somebody that had enough of corporate said, I'm done. I'm going to start my own company. And what's super fascinating is, is one of the reasons why you did it. So before we get there, why don't you just share with the audience a little bit about the company, what you do, and then we're going to get into this. Great. Yes. Thank you. So I'm Katie Ryan. I'm the founder of a company called A Positive Adventure, and we are a learning and development company, a consultancy of sorts, partnering with high growth companies. So when they're hiring all these folks and they don't know what to do with them, we help organize the chaos of people. So learning and development programs in a one-to-many workshop capacity and coaching programs, executive all the way down to individual contributor in a one-to-one capacity. That's awesome. That's really good. You've done this before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I'm curious, has, we talked a little bit about the business, has it changed now that we're moving towards more of a distributed workforce? You've got a lot of work from home or work from remote. And is that fundamentally changed what you're working on or what your clients are need? How is, what's that world looking like these days? Certainly. Thanks for that question. Um, I was very nervous, like many entrepreneurs in 2020 when the world shut down. And we've been very lucky because a lot of companies have decided to double down and invest in their people because of the shifts and because of what's happening and they're not able they weren't able to be in the office some companies are going back to kind of a hybrid model now and some full-time in office and there was that period of time before that started to happen where we just weren't really sure what was going to go down (laughs) it was like the world the whole world right not just us and our companies but hr teams people teams um, once they got past the fear and or actuality of having to do a layoff or take care of the business to keep the lights on. What we're finding now is that most companies are really looking to invest in their employees, especially with the great resignation and people leaving and trying to really figure out how they want to live their life. I think the pandemic woke people up in a different way. And there were horrible things that came from it, of course. And I think something beautiful that has grown from it is people really taking a look at what they want in their life and not just traveling all the time for work and working 80 hours a week. And and so because of that, we're finding that companies want to invest in their teams. And, and the way that's impacted us is in a positive way. We've had to maneuver No pun intended, by the way, right? <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we've had to, you know, take 
most of our training online. So it's virtually um, a hybrid world now where sometimes we'll be in person and online. And we, we've gone in person a few times since 2020, but it's far and few between now mm -hmm. where, which is really reversed from what it used to be for us. So that's the biggest impact that it's had on us, I'd say. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's about time too, that companies are investing in their people, right? Too little, too late sometimes. And, you know, I think one of the really interesting, you're probably a great person to talk about this is, I mean, future work gets overthrown. Like, what does it look like? But and if people listen to this podcast know I believe that we are heading towards more of a, you know, millions of micro businesses, right? And I've always used the analogy of a movie set, right? You're making a blockbuster movie or hope you are, right? You bring in the makeup people, the stunt people, the film, everybody comes together within their specialties to build this project happens and then everybody goes their own way. I heard the other day about an analogy I like maybe even better is if you remember the movie Ocean's Eleven with George Clooney and what they're going to do for the people who haven't is they're going to rob a bank. But what they need is a specialist in like nine different areas. One's like the locksmith. One is the disguise. The, and But they're all coming in. They got their, their text and, hey, we've got a mission. Do you want it? I really believe we're going to head more and more down this path is people become specialized in anything from CRM to you know, we've obviously marketing and design is already out there. Training and development, I wouldn't say is mainstream, but obviously you're showing that it can work. So thoughts on that? I mean, I think you're going to probably see the front end of this as you work with these companies. Is it going to be more contractors or freelancers or micro businesses or, or employees? What are your yeah, thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really interesting concept. For sure, I'm seeing it with our clients and even prospects that we talk to is they used to say all of our employees have to be Bay Area based or all of our employees have that is changing and they are letting employees live everywhere. And it's really opening the talent pool for folks who maybe couldn't have worked for that company before. Um, and they get to bring a certain level of expertise, whether it be full time or contractor like you're talking about. I'm excited to see how it continues to evolve. I yeah, think there's I think, been, there's like a birthing that's happened of this and it's going to be cool to watch it. Yeah, I think so too. And I think one of the the stats, you know, we've quoted a couple times is looking at the number of new businesses created. So 2019, which was the last full year before the pandemic, I think if I remember, it serves me correct, it was 3.5 million new businesses were created. But in 2021, which was the height or we're still in the, in the middle of the pandemic, it was 5.4 million new businesses were created. Wow. So 1.9. So to your point, people didn't want to go back to the office. I think that you're right. They, they woke up and said commuting isn't it corporate. I, I say corporate America sucks and I don't ever want to go back, but I don't want to. If people are happy with their job. I'm not judging, <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to get into to your story. And I don't think we've actually talked about so corporate you know, you're kicking some butt building basically the entire training organization for this high growth company and then said, nope, I'm going to go start my company. Can you kind of walk us through? Was that something like a two week period? You said, I'm done. Or were you thinking, what was, <laughs> what was that process like for you? Oh, wow. It was a wild one. So the company that I was working for high growth stage, getting lots of funding, hiring lots of humans, organizing the chaos of learning and development. And then like sometimes happens, the executive team came to me and said, we are doing a layoff across the board. 
um, it's going to be in two days and we need to lay off someone on your team and we need you to tell us who it's going to be. And I knew I eventually wanted to start my own company. I was not ready. In my mind, I was like, oh, in about five years, I'll be ready. (laughs) And it just felt, I had to think about it. You know, I went home and I had a hard time with it because I didn't know what to do. And I was like, I, I think I'm probably going to leave this company in the next year because I'm almost done building and I'm a builder, right? I like to come in and build. And when we get to maintain mode, I don't really enjoy it anymore. And I usually move on and continue to build. I like to create things from scratch and that's just really lights me up. And we were getting close to that. And so I could feel that it was close. And some of the folks on my team are, were really, really strong and they were in it for the long haul and I could tell. And so I made the decision to lay myself off in that riff. Interesting. And I went in and I said, it's going to be me. And then full disclosure, full honesty, I freaked out. Because I had just moved to the Bay Area. I was living in a high-rise condo, Bay Area rent. I was getting a tech salary, so I was making good money. And then I laid myself off. What am I thinking? You know, there was this inner knowing. I knew I had to do it. And then there was also, (laughs) I freaked out. So I applied for all these jobs. I think I applied for like 35, 40 jobs in two weeks. I, I was just like, I don't know. I need to get money. I just freaked out. And I got pretty far along with a well-known tech company that's based in the Bay Area. They were offering me a lot of money. We were getting far along in the interview process. And I was like, why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. This is not the goal. Money is not the goal for me. Why am I even entertaining this? So I politely and professionally withdrew from that recruiting process. I also was talking to another company and they said, you are overqualified for this role, but do you consult? We could hire you as a consultant. And it was just like a smack in the face, kind of a universe moment or whatever you believe in. But for me, it was kind of like, oh, yes, I do actually. And that was when I began consulting and started the business. And the first year was so hard. You know, I cut my cost of living into a fourth that first year. So I got roommates, I stopped eating out, I stopped shopping. And I was like, I know I have to do this. And I need to put the right things in place to make that happen. And so I was able to do that by cutting my cost of living and really focusing on the business for kind of an intense full year. Yeah, no. And there's never a good time, right? There's never a perfect time for to do it. And I think that's what we're starting to see in the folks I work with is it's usually not, well, I shouldn't say it. Sometimes it is, they just jump in, but other times it's an event or just, I can't take anymore. I'm going to do it. And I remember early on you had talked about maybe, maybe this was the pivot from consulting to actually, I'm going to start to build a company and what you wanted with that company. So how long did it take you to go from, Hey, I just need to make as much money and give me a little more time than maybe what I was doing in corporate before you started thinking about a bigger picture? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the company, I started the company immediately when I started consulting Okay. because I knew, I knew it could be big and I knew it was going to work. (laughs) So I just decided to put the, the proper foundations in place, right? Like separate business accounts, 
EIN numbers, file for an LLC, um, hire a tax person. Like I just knew that I needed to do that. I could feel it, that it was going to work, even though sometimes it felt like it might not. Right. <laughs> I just knew it was going to. So I wanted to put the right building blocks in place, started invoicing, got a logo, created a website, you know, that type of thing just to, you know, have good hygiene financially right out of the gates. And I am kind of a reformed workaholic. I, I naturally tend to work too much. I used to work 80 hour work weeks. I traveled back and forth across the US every other week for three years. I just tend to naturally work too much. And so I sat back even in year one, knowing that I needed to work hard in year one. And I was probably going to have to work a lot more than I wanted to in year five. Um, I sat back and I said, what is important to me here? Because it's not money. I mean, I want to make money. I want to have a good business. I want the brand to be one that people associate with a positive experience for their businesses. I wanted all of that. And I wanted to start to have a life work balance versus a work life balance. I was burnt out and I still feel like I'm recovering from the burnout that I felt when I worked in tech. And some days I just decide I'm not working today. I need a day off. And it's people are like, you just had a day off. I need another day off. I'm exhausted still. I still feel like it's like this long-term aftershock of grinding so hard for so long. So one of the core values of who I am and what a positive adventure recommends and teaches is life work balance. And so I wanted to take off a full month in a row every year, no matter what, at minimum. So that was the month of August that I set. I was like, okay, the month of August, every year I'm going to take off and I'm just going to build that into everything we do. So we'll work really hard before, we'll work really hard after, and that'll be that. And so that's been something that has kind of evolved over time, but right out of the gate, even year one, I put that in place. Yeah. And that's something I use as an example all the time. So I did get her and it was to climb, right? Most that was the, the intent was the month of August to climb or just downtime or not work was the, the goal, right? Yeah. It was like travel, adventure, climb, um, just really do anything I wanted to do <laughs> that did not include work. I mean, it was an out of office. I would not answer emails. I would actually fully unplug. And I know one of the things that you did and I want to get in is leverage, you know, other freelancers, right? So you built a little ecosystem of folks that you use. So maybe talk a little bit about, all right, you now have enough business. When did you get to that capacity level when you said, I need to bring somebody in? I'm trying to think of the moment because I can't remember the actual moment when I had a flag. I need help. <laughs> I need, and I still have this moment pretty frequently where I'm trying to decide, do I hire more people or do I say no to business? Because I'm at the capacity for how much I want to work. And so now what? What do I do with that? Because more people is more work for me. Right. Right. Different and type so of work, I'm but yeah. Still, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what that balance is. And right now we're in a sweet spot. And I think it happened. I remember when it happened. 
I had a, I had a few clients and it was just me. And then all of a sudden I was good with the workload. And then a current client wanted to deepen how much uh, they were working with us. And that's not really something you can say no to. Right. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, great. You want us to also do this whole training program for this other department. Wonderful. And then I'm like, I, there is no way I was already working a lot. This was year two. It was getting kind of wild. Maybe the end of year one. I can't remember exactly when it was. And so I called on a previous employee who worked for me full time underneath me, who was still working full time. And I said, Hey, do you want to make some extra money? Remember that thing we did back when we worked together? I would love to pay you an hourly wage and have you build that for this client. Um, and you can have free reign on doing it and like what it would look like. So I got to work with her and that was kind of the first introduction and it worked really well. And I worked with a lawyer and got an independent contractor agreement that now I just use as a template. Right. And now I have one, two, three, four, five, probably six contractors that I'm working with regularly, a couple instructional designers and facilitators, um, a production person who helps in the zoom world and then coaches who I bring in and help with like executive and individual coaching. And right now that feels really good and in alignment for the company and where I want it to be. It might change. Um, 2020 was going to be the year of my first full-time hire. We all know what happened. Right. Oh yeah. And so then I'm like, wait, let's just recalibrate here. Why was I going to do that? Was I forcing something? Was it, did I have the shoulds? Like I should hire somebody. No, no, no. What do I want? Do I want to have a full-time employee and, you know, talking to the accountants and deciding like what makes sense financially for the business and that type of thing. Right now, it just, the accountant might disagree with me, but I like it how it is. And so right for right now, we're going to keep it in the contractor model, working on projects together. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. And especially as it starts and you get your ecosystem more and more refined and I just love the concept of the shoulds. Did I have the shoulds? I'm like, oh, that is so good. Yes. I know. We all have we that. We should all over ourselves, right? We yeah. should on ourselves. We should on people. Let's shake the shoulds. What do we want? That's yeah. such a different way to approach it. Yeah. Because like, especially being in the Bay Area, when I was living in the Bay Area full time, people would, you know, I'd go to these startup mixers and events and everyone's like, how are you going to scale? Are you going to get funding? What's your angel seed funding look like? And I, I was just like, I, these aren't my people. I don't think right. I love working with those people, right? I like those people to be my clients. Yes. You get to series B, call me. But like right now this, I'm just not in that place and it's not what I want. What is cool though, is I think, I believe this contractor model to start is a really beautiful way to figure out if you were going to hire somebody, you've had a really good test run. With yeah, them, true. Right. That like, is true. I know who my full time employee hire would be if I, or at least who I hope it would be. It's obviously her decision as well. Um, if right. I decided to go that route, I, I know because we've been working together so long and we work so well. I trust her completely. And so I think that can be a really nice way to get started. Yeah, it yeah. makes sense. It makes sense. And I think too, where you know, part of the, the journeys are going is like the folks that you have are contractors. I'm sure there's a mix of some that really do view themselves as a micro business or a freelance entrepreneur, not necessarily a contract, where others probably do say, hey, yep, just a contractor. I'm here to do this project, pay me and move on. And 
have you started to see a shift and right? I want to be more intentional about being a business owner, even if I am only consulting or doing project work. And I just think that mindset shift is so important. Yeah, it's, I really love working with people who are just getting started because I know what that feels like. (laughs) And so if I can help somebody reach their goals, I usually talk to people. I mean, I'm willing to work with either, right? Somebody who just wants to come in and get some hourly wages and somebody who's trying to launch a company and wants inspiration and wants some connections and exposure, that type of thing. I am all for both of those things. In fact, the contractor's, that I bring in are a mix of those things, right? Some of us send invoices that are just their name and some are their company and that's great. And so one of the things I think is really important is to talk to people and ask them. I always say, what lights you up? You know, if you think about the type of work that you would ideally like to work on, what is it? Why do you like it? And then I try to give them work that will help them reach their goals and that lights them up because I want people working for a positive adventure who are lit up and excited about what they're talking about. And the passion comes through. You can like feel the fire in the belly feeling, not that they are just doing it just to get paid, which is also an okay reason to do things, right? As long as you know Um, that's what you want out of it, then perfect. Totally. And so it's just talking and level setting and making sure that we're in alignment on what they want, what's needed, and if it's a good fit. And it seems to be working pretty well. Yeah, I think it's, those are the right questions. At least that's what I've, because I brought on my first couple of folks. And part of the interview process is, look, I saw your resume. You can do these 12 things. I'm like, but what is it you really like to do, right? There's things you can do, but is it what is it you want to do? And that's kind of how I make my decision based on what do I need and what they like to do. Because, you know, mm-hmm. you could, there's, there's a lot of things that you could do, your company could do, but there's probably a sweet spot that you really like. So I think that's really important as soon as possible in your journey to figure out what that is, because the more you're doing stuff you don't like, the the, the shorter that journey is going to be. At least that's what I'm finding. Absolutely. And you know, it's interesting, maybe an interesting segue, but I'm going to go there anyways. Um, For me, what is, it's like, what's most important to me. And for me, it's being outside. It's adventuring. It's being on the go. And it's why I live in a van full time, you know? And so it helps me because if there is something in work that I don't really want to do and I'm not super excited about it, my life is wrapped around that thing in such a way that I feel excited all the time. You know, like my typical day is I wake up, make coffee, sit outside, listen to the birds, look at a tree, you know, just just relax in the morning and then maybe I'll go on a hike or I'll go for a climb or do something adventurous. And then I work and then I crank on work for a little while. And then I cap out the day around a campfire or playing a game or watching a movie and looking at the stars. And so for me, what's really beautiful about that is that it's called work, not play for a reason, right? So there's always going to be things we don't like. But I think when we can tap into parts of our life that really light us up and we package our day in such a way that we're taking care of ourselves in all the other ways and we're feeling fulfilled, that thing on our to-do list that we're not super excited about, at least for me, doesn't feel so bad because I'm doing it while looking at a willow tree or in the desert with snow-capped mountain in the background, right? Right. Yeah, no, I I think it makes perfect sense. And 
I've embraced that quite a bit the last few years. And we've had a few conversations where, yeah, I get outside every day. And one of the things that I've done that's really helped me is spend two to three hours of just focused time in the morning, right? It's blocked off. I rarely will take a meeting during that time because then I know if I'm at least productive and get done what I need to get done in that three hours, which by the way, is more than I was getting done in an eight hour corporate day for sure, right? Then I've had a productive day, no matter if my afternoon goes sideways, right? It doesn't matter that I've got it or something comes up and I need to run out and do it. It's not that big of a deal. It's it's finding that balance and that it's okay. You're right. You mentioned earlier that the hustle culture and that is so overrated. And, you know, some folks make it work and, you know, God bless them, it works. But nine times out of 10, I don't think it's going to, right? You're going to end up in a worse place. I used to think when someone called me a workaholic, it was a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Really, like in my core, I was like, thank you. Thank you for noticing my worth because my worth used to be tied to productivity. And, I still have little pings of that that show up (laughs) (laughs) and I feel guilty or the shoulds creep in. I should do this, 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 this. And and I'm like, no, 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 hold on. That's old. That's dusty. What do you need to do? Sometimes we need to do things, right? And what do I want to do and how can I structure it in such a way? And so for me, the way that I've done that, uh, for example, is I do no meetings Mondays and Fridays. So there's no meetings except for I do therapy on Mondays. So there's a meeting with myself. But besides that, there are no work meetings Mondays and Fridays. That doesn't mean I'm not working, but I usually crank Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I've been playing around with this for myself, like what feels good. And because I live on the road full time, service is not always wonderful. And it's been really a stress reliever for me to say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I need service. Okay, I'll go into town. I'll work from a coffee shop. I'll get an Airbnb if I have a workshop that I'm leading and need to plug into a modem, you know, that type of thing. And so that's been really nice because it's given me almost a five day window in between those three to be able to go. I can download things and work offline. I can do creativity work on like, Ooh, what's a creative way we can approach giving feedback that maybe we haven't thought of, you know, and I've started drawing out slides before I create them, which has been a new, very interesting process. Um, I was building a slide deck because I didn't have service using pieces of paper. Right. And I really, I'm, I like to doodle and draw. And so I'm drawing out these slides and it's real. I'm like, I need a statistic here. I'm going to put an image here. Ooh, a video would go good here. And it was almost this storyboarding exercises I was doing in the van without service. I mean, I don't want to brag about it, but I'm going to brag a little bit. It was one of the best presentations that I've ever done because I wasn't focused just on cranking the deliverable. I had space to be creative and really think about what was needed. And then I was able to slot in various things and an activity. And and then what I ended up doing was creating the slide deck to look like it was drawn on pieces of paper. And so it looked like a whiteboard and I had post-it notes. And it was just this really beautiful moment where I don't think I would have ever done that if I didn't have service for a few days. Yeah, no, I think that that's absolutely right. And there's time, even when it's back and forth between Phoenix, didn't have 
Wi-Fi on the plane most of the time. And it was good three hours of just getting stuff done. And I heard this concept on, I think it was No Dumb Questions podcast. And the concept was reflexive thinking versus reflective thinking. And I, I catch myself doing that with work all the time. There was a slide or proposal. It's just reflexive. This is what we do. But when you actually take time to be reflective and think, it just gives it a different perspective. And it can be, in your case, you saw how much more powerful that it could be. And so I guess my only advice is take some time to make it reflective. And if you have service, shut it down and take that two to three or five hours, whatever it is. It's okay. The world's not going to stop, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're still going to be able to get it done. And I think, yeah, just that creative time. And right, I didn't realize I had it in me sometimes, but I think we all do in, in different capacities. Certainly. And I think when we create space, things come in, you know, we start to have realizations because we're just buzzing around all the time. We're on our phone, like the vibration is just so high around us everywhere all the time, especially when we're in cities. And I mean, I used to live in high rise and go downstairs to the bodega and get food and then come back upstairs and keep working at my desk. And, you know, I know that yeah. we'll be on a plane and it's just buzz, buzz, buzz. And when we slow down just a little bit, even if you're not able to do no meeting Mondays and Fridays, but if you take 30 minutes in the morning, to drink your tea or coffee outside, to look outside the window, to take a few deep breaths. You know, there's a reason we have shower thoughts. It's yeah, because we right. create space. We don't have our phone in the shower. <laughs> you know, it's like we have a moment to actually be creative and to be bored. Like yeah. boredom, there's a podcast out there I listened to years ago that talks about boredom is where creativity is born. And how our culture right now lacks creativity because there's not space for boredom. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> that's so... absolutely true. Unless you force it, there's always, you could always have the device in your hand or, or along those lines. And yeah, one of the things right. that I've focused on probably the last more of the last two years is reading again, right? I think I did an episode, not an episode, but I had a post. I think I've read now 60 books in the last 18 months or 20 months or something. That's probably more than I read in the last 20 years combined. But it's just awesome. given me a whole new perspective of like, so I was looking at branding. So I read three different branding books. And I think one of the mistakes we make is just to take one idea from one person and say, that's it. Well, what I found is that I can take three ideas kind of similar from three different points and triangulate off that and say, huh, this is interesting. Or take this concept and apply it against here. It's really, you know, I don't know, woke me up again the last last few years just to think differently again, because we just get in our routines. Yeah. And sometimes the most, this is very hard for me to believe. I'm working on believing it, but I'm going to say it out loud. So hopefully I believe it more today. Sometimes the most productive thing you can do is nothing. hundred uh, percent. No, I think you're absolutely right. I know it's hard to believe and it's counterintuitive, <laughs> but. Yes. And I think, you know, something that I think we forget is that the quality of our work is better when we unplug and come back, right? We are a better version of who we are. I feel it as a coach, you know, I do executive coaching for founders and I work with people and after I've unplugged and I come back as a coach, I'm more centered and grounded. I'm asking better questions because I'm better. And versus if I've just like crank, 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 I got off a flight and I immediately have to jump onto a coaching call. I'm not grounded. You know, I'm, I'm kind of up in the air and it takes a little bit to get synced up with that person and make sure that you're where you need to be for them. And so I think that's something we forget is that taking care of ourselves 
is productive. And sometimes that means doing nothing. And in the long run, our productivity is better. <laughs> what yeah. we create is better. Who we work with tends to be a bit more meaningful. Um, so yeah, I really believe that. And I believe it when when I go listen back to podcast interviews I've done or speeches I've given and I and I look at just how I showed up in those moments, it feels different now. Like I just feel yeah. like I show up in a different way and I'm I talk at a different pace. And I don't know, it's different. It feels it could good. be it's probably more of your real self because I think at least in the old days, you know, you always had to be on, right? There was a thing you had mm -hmm. to be in order to do it. But now it's like, hey, this is this is who I am, and right, I'm enjoying it, <laughs> right? It's 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 working, and uh, yeah. So I know we're we're running short on time, but I do want to ask one question because I think you're a perfect person because one of the things I I talk with entrepreneurs quite a bit is that that solo journey or the solopreneur, the freelancer can be lonely in the sense that it is you, right? And so, especially with you, you're not, you're on the road. So how do you, and where do you find that support or the connection with folks, you know, when you're doing this? Because I do think that's one, still one of the biggest gaps and what keeps a lot of people from truly thriving in that type of role is the, the isolation of it. So what, what do you do? What, any best practices or recommendations you have? Uh, what a great question, Brett. <laughs> Um, well, I think there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. And so I think we have to distinguish between those two things. I love being alone. It's why I live solo on the road. I enjoy my own company. I, yeah. So if you, if you don't like being alone, think about why. Maybe learn to enjoy your own company. It's been a process. I don't always enjoy my company, by the way. Still working on that. Um, so I think that's the first thing, right? is you got to enjoy your own thoughts and who you are. And if not, like maybe start there, not to get too esoteric. And then, <laughs> and then the other thing as it relates to starting a company, it is lonely when you first start, especially if you come from a team, you know, I laid myself off from this team. I had a team that reported into me and I was working on a team and working with a lot of people. And then all of a sudden it felt a little like whiplash you know, like an e-break was pulled and now I'm in charge of everything. I'm in charge. I'm an expert in learning and development, but I'm not an expert in legal. I'm not an expert in accounting. I, I don't know how to do these things. And so I think the first thing is to recognize that you're going to feel that. And it's okay. Valid. Feel it. Now what? Now what do we do about it? Right. And I think the first thing is to find someone or someones who are in a similar place as you are. Like Brett, you were great. You and I worked a lot together early on when we first started separately because it was just like, we would call each other and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this this way. What do you think? And I had a hard week. I had a couple people I was doing that with and I had weekly or bi-weekly calls with them. And I had one guy I talked to every other week. We don't talk anymore. You know, we'll like each other's LinkedIn posts. He's crushing it. A positive adventure is crushing it. We're just like, nice, way to go. But we would vet like, does this make sense? pricing wise? Does this make sense in this way? I'm nervous. Can I practice this with you? So having somebody and getting an intro to somebody who's in a similar space as you, I also think not seeing those people as competition. Um, sometimes we can feel a little territorial. There is enough work. There is enough people. I think that's a scarcity mindset going in like, oh, they're going to take my business. It is abundant. Everybody needs in our world. Everyone needs a coach. 
every company needs a trainer. We can't do all of it. So I love talking to other training companies and coaches. I'm like, please go sign other deals and like, let's spread the good word of communication and vulnerability and leadership and all these things. So I think those would be the main things is don't view it as competition. Um, Surround yourself with people who are in a similar space with you and don't be afraid to be alone. Like it's also okay. Um, And just keep leaning into that and keep going. And it's not going to be lonely for long. Yeah, no, I think that's really, really good advice. And it it's true. It's finding that network of folks that just certain days, hey, can just chat. And it doesn't even have to be about business. It can be about business. And I think that's why, you know, some people are hesitant to leave the corporate because they have the camaraderie and the network and, you know, people. But what I think people are starting to realize is you don't need that at work. You don't choose your people unless it's your team, right? Everybody's working, you work together, hopefully you like each other. But what I found, and I do have some friends that I've kept over the years, but it's not as tight as if it's the group outside or the folks that I'm working with now that are, to your point, yeah, I didn't even realize intentionally necessarily do that of who I talked to, but yeah, they're in a similar place or just ahead or just behind and we can share, you know, what's working, what's not working, just kind of having that support network in there. So I think we're going to see more and more of that community. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I, I, it's such a good point. It's okay to be alone, right? I'm, yeah. I, I'm good with it. I have, you know, I, I like the quiet time. I do like to be around people. So finding that balance, but yeah. It's and there's not- a lot of networking groups that are niche to various industries, right? And most of those now, lucky enough, can be virtual. Yeah. Um, and so they have like virtual meetups and happy hours and hangouts. And so that can also be a little less lonely. You can have a wine with somebody else virtually in your industry. <laughs> so. Yeah, I had actually a wine tasting with the company not too long ago virtually, which was kind of interesting. I'm like, how's this going? I'm like, here, I got three bottles of wine on my desk, but it was actually really fun and it was, you know, super interesting. So yeah, I think we're, we're definitely getting to that point. And the last one we'll close on, because I think it's so good, is the abundance mindset. It's not scarcity. You're so right. There's so much opportunity. Whatever you feel you're going to be, unless you're looking to build that unicorn billion dollar company, which are not the people I'm working with, right? They want to find that balance. They want to be comfortable. And interestingly, it, more and more like what you said, it's not necessarily about the money, but it's the time, right? I want my time back. Sure, I want to be comfortable and not worry about those things, but yeah, time is the most valuable commodity I think we have. So we may have to have you come yeah. back and do a deeper dive into that. Um, but really, really appreciate you coming back on and sharing that story because I think it is interesting. And just full disclosure, you're doing this interview from a climbing gym because the Wi-Fi is good, right? <laughs> <laughs> full disclosure, I'm in a climbing gym. I got my climbing shoes next to me. I was climbing before this. I'll be climbing after this. <laughs> Living the, the dream. Living the dream. So like I said, when I tell people and we talk about what is your plan, not even your plan, what is your goal? What do you want out of this business? And it could be to make a million dollars. It could be, hey, I want to take August off to go climbing and travel. And you know what? It's, it's, it's got to be you, whatever you want. But if you don't decide that, then it's really hard to get there because you're not really driving towards anything. So having a goal is important and it can change right over time. You're going to flip right. flop and maybe do something else. But awesome. Absolutely. With a coaching client, something I'll ask is I'll say, let's go to a future space two years from now. You're drinking coffee on a Tuesday morning and you are about to engage in a really wonderful work week. It, like, what's your life like? Like what's happening? Let's take me there. 
describe it. What does it smell like? What, you know, and get them there. And it's interesting what people will focus on. It's not, I'm a millionaire and I'm sometimes maybe, but like, it's usually not. It's like, I'm collaborating on a team. I'm really excited about, I'm getting ready to go to yoga before going to work or, and people start to build it. And I'm like, great, let's do that. Like, how do we, how do we get from where you are and where you want to go? Like, let's, so I think that's the key that you were talking about is what's the goal and not just monetarily. Yeah. And if it's just monetary, it's okay, but recognize it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's going to be a slightly different path, but you're right. Everything, all the decisions you're going to make are going to be more tied to that. So awesome. All right, Katie. So where can folks find you? I mentioned Instagram. So where, what's the best place to track you down? Yeah, you can go to our website. It's a positiveadventure.com. That will tell you a lot about the company. And then you can follow me on Instagram. It's Katie, K-A-T-I-R-Y-A-N. I post a lot there about a lot of things. So I'm an activist. I am an entrepreneur. I'm a van lifer. I have a lot of opinions on things. I share them there. I'm not for everybody, um, but you're welcome to follow me there. Yeah, check it out. Man. It. <laughs> not boring. You're transparent and more people just need to be this way. So um, yeah, yeah, I highly recommend people to, to check that out. And LinkedIn still a decent place to catch you. LinkedIn's great, especially professionally. So it's just Katie, K-A-T-I-R-Y-A-N. Awesome. We'll put all that in the show notes. We appreciate it. Thank you, Brett. It's a pleasure to chat again, and I look forward to it next time. All right. Thanks, Katie. See ya.